kind of old-fashioned cop who preferred working the streets and making arrests to taking tests toward promotion. He was the closest thing New York had to a dirty Harry. This is One Tough Podcast on the OG Podcast Network. Here's your host, Bo Deedle. Everybody, welcome to One Tough Podcast. I'm joined here, like always, with the guy I'm going to fire in about five minutes, Carlo. Carlo. Good morning. No, no, good morning. Where's your guest? He's Our on guest his way. is delayed. Our guest is a good guy. He's Ira Rosen. He's a journalist, producer, 60 Minutes. And you want to know something? He's friggin' late. And you want to know something? Imagine if 60 Minutes was late at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning. That don't fly. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him down when he gets here. I don't give a frig who you are. You don't do that. That's disrespectful. I'm like Robert De Niro. I mean, would you have Robert De Niro wait a half an hour? Uh, no. Well, that's it. That's the answer. So, Carla, what'd you learn from this? Uh, you always get your ducks in a row and uh, never rely on uh, traffic because traffic. No, always you've there. got to give. What you got to do is you got to call earlier. You make them get here earlier. Always lie about the appointment. If it's ten thirty, what do you say? It's ten. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, at so- the top of the show, let's. Uh- Talk to all the fans. Thank everybody for writing in. We uh, appreciate all your emails. Uh, you always follow us on social media. You could follow us at One Tough Podcast on Twitter. That'll give you the latest updates on everything that we're doing, all our new uh, episodes, upcoming guests, and stuff like that. Bo is at Bo Deedle on Twitter and at the real Bo Deedle on Instagram. You could find our clips there. You could find all stuff that's related to the show. You can write to us. We'll we'll answer you. Uh, and uh, you know we appreciate all your suggestions, all your uh, comments and stuff like that. And, and we're we're listening to a lot of your suggestions. We're trying to get a lot of these uh, ideas for guests. Uh, we're reaching out to a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, some we have- guests, some guests. Okay, Carlo. Yes. Okay, reality. Did you see what was in the uh, Daily News online? Uh, the mayor went over for Sesame Street. They were naming the street Sesame Street. Who shows up is Big Bird. And they quote me naming him Big Bird when I ran for mayor against him. Then all of a sudden he says, I always, I've been hearing a lot about Big Bird. Yeah, from me, dickhead mayor. I called you Big Bird. And Big Bird didn't want to be near you because you're a thief and your wife is a thief and you're stealing money. You're stealing money through these so-called, so-called consultants. I want to know where the money's going, okay? Okay, so they had a big thing, and it's in the paper today, Big Bird. So what do you think, Carlo? I think that uh, Big Bird and Big Bird finally met. I think it was like a, it was destined to be. It was uh, it was a very funny picture. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to be heading out to uh, the uh, the Salt Hedge Fund Conference. They got me the keynote speaker. You know, I was reading today, Carlo. A lot of people don't really realize about cybersecurity. Corporations now are spending up near $3,000 a year for cybersecurity per employee. You realize what kind of numbers that That's is? That's a lot of money. So if you got 100,000 employees, come on, 100,000 employees, $3,000 an employee per year. How much is that? Come a lot on. Of money. A lot of money on cybersecurity. No, no, I want you to give me the number. 3,000 3, times 100,000. 100, so I could do it at the top of my head. It's $30 million. It's a lot. A lot of potatoes. Was that the right number? Uh, let me check. Oh, okay. On, on I just did that off the top of my head. And I only uh, graduated with a general diploma, Carlo. I didn't have a college degree like you. You can't figure it out in your it's head? 300 million. 300 million? Yep. Like I said, they're spending a lot of friggin' money. Yes, sir. 300 million. Right, our guest is here. Uh, let me just grab him. Oh, you better get him because I'm. Uh, where is he? Get in here! 
He wouldn't be late for 60 minutes. Ira! I can't believe people are so late. Would he be late for 60 minutes like this? No. This is Bo Deedle's podcast. This is like being slapped in the face. But when he gets here, I'll take him down for this. I'll take him down. And we'll uh, we'll talk to him because he's really a pretty good journalist. But I don't want to allude to that right away. He, uh, he, he opened up with some very, very important things, uh, some feature stories on 60 Minutes over the year. Uh, over the years, and he's uh, he's really uh, he's really a remarkable uh, journalist. So, but he's late. So now he's a remarkable late journalist. So uh, I don't know where Carlos going, yeah. but we enjoy doing a podcast, and we like some of the listeners to uh, text in here and let us know who you'd like to, uh, us to have on the show. We you know, we're open for anybody. I mean, we've had drug dealers. We've had murderers. We've had everybody on. We had liars, cheats, scandalous people. I think it's pretty unique to have people on here. Hey, you know what another guest would be? I wonder if you'd come on. Jordan Belfort. Remember him, the Wolf of Wall Street. This creep robbed $200 million. I'd like to get him on the podcast and find out where he buried that money because he certainly didn't spend $200 million, and he probably has a lot of potatoes sitting around, you know? Uh, hey, Ira, what the hell? If you, yeah, would you be late for 60 minutes? Which, if 60 minutes didn't go on at 7 o'clock in the morning, would you be late? No, how you been? Nice to see you. You look no, good. No, 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 no. You're very late, and I have a very important appointment. I was ready to shut it down. I'm very oh, upset. I'm sorry. My friend Ira Rosen is a great... Uh, uh, a journalist from 60 Minutes. He's one of my heroes. 20 National Emmys, four DuPont Awards, two RFK Awards, and he won a Peabody. And uh, you're, um, you are my friend, even though you're my late friend now. I'm going to cut right to it, okay? Yes, sir. I want to know what's going on with the Tiffany Network. With my man, Les Movers. Hold on. My man, Jeff Fager. Hold on, my man, Charlie Rose. Was that a friggin' orgy over there? What's going on? They should have my, my cybersecurity there, my website. I have no idea what's going on. That's right. I, I, I didn't no think idea. you want to answer. Yeah. Who's zooming who? I have no idea. What's going Are you on. hitting Gail? Gail King? Gail is an amazing journalist. I'm going to tell you, so she handled that. I'm going to tell you, she handled that psychopath piece of shit. What's his name? R. Kelly. She handled that excellent. I, I, I watch it in the morning. I really do. I watch CBS News in the morning. I like Gail King. I think she's cool. She t- she's a very good journalist, and she's able to get to the heart of a person. You know, she didn't know me from a hole in the wall. I was walking around, and she says, you know, you look really lost. Let me take you to where you're going. She's truly and a good she, person. She just took me to whatever the place was, sat me down, and she didn't know who I was. What, when you first met her? When I first met her, yeah. 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 But do me a favor. Just yes, tell you, sir. you got a big fan in Bo. I love Gail King. I listen to her. I listen to CBS every morning. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I hate the vision. She seems like a person along with Oprah, you know, we want to bring everybody together instead of the divisions and all that. I like Gail King. What about you there, Russ? Uh, yeah, I think it's you don't even know who it is, right? Yeah, it's CBS you have no clue. this morning. I, I oh, CBS it. this morning? CBS. What? Who else is on the show? I don't know. I, uh, so honest, you don't, don't watch it. They got rid of my other friend, Charlie Rose. He got caught with his zipper down there. They got the other guy. He's pretty good. And then that other girl, she, she thought she was going to take up with CBS News. What's her name? 
Who's this? The one that's on the morning. Nora O'Donnell. Yeah, she's okay, but she's a little into herself too much. I like Gail. She's not that into herself. You know, she's good. But let's talk about you. All right. Ira. Yes, sir. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Queens. Where? Fresh Meadows. Oh, the rich 185th, 183rd Avenue, next to the best pizza parlor in New York. I don't care what anybody says. Brothers Pizzeria. A block down. Better than Prince Street Pizza? Yeah, oh, no, no, no comparison. The uh, guy's been there for anyway. over 30 years. Yeah. Best bagels in New York on 184th Street. Oh, that place I used to get the bagels on the, on the service road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know yeah. that place. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I used to yeah. pick them up there. Pretty yeah, good bagels. They're pretty good bagels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Francis Lewis High School. Francis Lewis. It was on the uh, track team and tennis team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, back then, you know, everybody had wood rackets. You didn't have to hit it very hard. So I used to play. Oh, Andre Agassi's. I don't want to mean a bull. I don't mean to brag, but he's one of my he's one of my dear friends. Andre Agassi. Agassi, yeah. And I introduced him to Brooke Shields, and he was at my house when he first ran into uh, uh, Steffi Graf. And we were we were out there with I had Joey Pots and Pans, me, and he had his trainer there, and we were cooking filet mignons, we're drinking uh, Lafitte Rothschild wine, we're drinking tequilas, margaritas, and we're walking along the beach. I had a house on the beach in Quag, and all the people there. This is right leading up to the U.S. Open, and people seeing Andre Agassi walk along with no shirt on. We had no shirts on, and I and we walking along the beach. People were flipping out. All of a sudden, he jumps into the pool, Ira. And with his with a bathing suit, but he had the phone number from Steffi Griff, had given her a phone number. It's in his book, this whole thing, what I'm saying. And I never knew that he was. He had problems with Crystal Meth. So I got to tell you the story, yeah. talking about being late. So I did a story on John Gotti Jr. Yes. The, the kid, right? And it took me four years to do this story. And Steve Croft was showing up late. Oh, and, and like you? Junior, no, no, I was two minutes late. Oh. Steve was like 30, 40 minutes late. He overslept. It took me four years to get this in the, in the can. So I'm doing entertainment for Junior, and I'm trying to like make him happy and all this stuff. And he says, so I tell him about Andre Agassi. And I said, you know, he just got seven million bucks for this book. And he said, what, what, what kind of book could he give him seven million bucks for? Well, he said he hated tennis. And he said, I hated the mob. That has to be worth, <laughs> that has to be worth at least two mil. And I said, yeah, but you know, the guy, guy talked about like, you know, doing drugs and all I'm this stuff. I was surprised about And that. he said, I did drive-by shootings. That has to be worth at least three mil. <laughs> I hope he didn't admit to any homicides. No, no, no. There's no, no. no statute of limitations. Well, he missed. Yeah, he but, missed. Because <laughs> we, we, we're going to probably get him on our show, but I don't want him to admit to any homicides. No, no, no. I'm no, going to no. do he a disclaimer that. right from the beginning. I love you, John Jr., his father. Well, you know, I grew up with his dad. Sure. His dad was my friend, and I say it right now. I, he could kiss my ass because I don't care. John Gotti Sr. was my friend. I I grew up with as a kid, and I talked about a story when I got assaulted, and then we went to meet the guys, and John Gotti, it's a long story, but I like John Gotti Sr. They went after him like they're going after the president. They're not going to stop until they get him. When people are after you, they're after you for whatever it is. They might start this, but then they're going to open up Pandora's box someplace Junior else. Junior was the single best criminal storyteller I ever have interviewed in my life. Yeah, after did, that did story. Did you ever watch the specials? Oh, uh, yeah. I uh, saw that yeah. And his, uh, After that story house. aired, uh, two police commissioners came up and said, hey, we really like this guy. I said, like him? You've been trying to put him in jail for the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, but he's a good storyteller. Yeah, he's a good guy. As a matter of fact, his son is boxing. His son MMA, is, yeah. yeah. When yeah. is he MMA. boxing? I think his next fight's May 31st. Right. All right, they were asking me if I want to go. I want to go, but I don't care with the big nose. What's his name? I don't know who's fighting. No, the kid that wants me to go, Will, uh, Will DeMayo, DeMayo yeah. with the big beak. 
Yeah. Right. I'm gonna, I want to go to, where's it, Hartford, Hartford or something? Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. That's far. Yeah. Maybe I'll borrow, uh, I'll borrow your helicopter, right? So, there. Ira, I mean, you grew up in Queens. Did you always were attracted to journalism and the news, or what, what kind of led you into that, and how do you I like asking uh, strangers the nosiest questions, and being a journalist gives you a license to do that. And so I started doing it in high school. I sort of did it in college. I exposed the Cornell basketball coach for recruiting violations. Wow, back then? Back then. And then before I knew it, I was working with a guy named Jack Anderson, who was a big-time columnist. Yeah, and, Jack uh, Anderson. You know who that was? Like? I don't. You're too young. Jack Anderson was one of the most famous. Oh, yeah. Jack Jack was amazing. And he worked with this guy, Les Witten, and it was at the time of Watergate. And everybody was paranoid about the CIA. We had a guy who walks into our office, and he says, you know, the CIA put bugs in my body. And we're trying to get rid of this crazy person. And Les Witten, who is Jack Anderson's yeah. sidekick, you may, you probably know Les Witten. So Witten comes out and he says, listen, we have this problem all the time. And uh, I know how to short circuit the system. So he takes a clothes hanger, bends it out of shape, puts it in the back of the guy's pants. So it's dragging against the floor. And he says, this short circuit, it's the CIA. It'll fuck him up really bad. And the guy walks out the door with this clothes <laughs> hanger, like dragging from behind him. I always wonder what happened to that guy. You know, he may, he may. <laughs> Did it do the trick? Cured him? It, it, cured, it cured him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Like these stories. Did you ever interview someone where it got like really uh, violent? Violent. Um, or just uh, uncomfortable, awkward. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've had, I've, um, I, I've had a lot of these guys in jail, in prison. Um, when I was doing uh, Nicky Barnes. Okay, uh, sure. I don't know uh, if you remember Nicky. You'd remember Nicky. Do Nikki. I remember no, no, the Hayes brothers? I'm asking the kid here if the, you remember The Hayes Nikki. brothers were his bodyguards, which right. I punched out in a cell. Long story. So, so Nikki, uh, Nikki was in the witness protection program. He ratted out everybody, and we were trying to get. I was working with Mike Wallace at the time. We we're trying to get him on camera, and so Nikki uh, didn't want to go on camera. So I was with Rudy Giuliani, and he had a guy named Bill Tendy. Bill Tendy was his number two guy, very tough guy. And Tendy said, uh, "You know, let me talk to him. Let me see if I could talk him into doing it." So Rudy and I are, are kibitzing a little bit. Tendy, after two minutes, comes in and says, "All right, he's agreed to doing it." And I, so Rudy says to him, what did you do? He said, I threw him up against the wall. And I said, listen, motherfucker, the only choice you have is what color shirt you're going to wear. So sit down and talk to this guy. <laughs> nice. My kind of booker. <laughs> yeah, that, that nice. Works. But, you know, you know it, it, it's just funny. You know, it, people don't realize. And I'm and not because you're here. I'm not, I'm not sucking up to you. I watch 60 Minutes religiously. And I always say, if it's on 60 Minutes, it's true. And what kind of research for the young man over here, Carlo, who was born yesterday, what kind of research goes in before you get a feature on 60 Minutes? How much time is put into these well, things? Sometimes it could be years, right? Yeah, yeah, it could be years. We did, we've done these opiate stories and, um, the thing is, you have to check out the people. It's mm -hmm. like it's not so much what you what you're trying to find out is what you um, want to find out to make sure you're not being set up or conned. Well, the big famous one was what? The famous one was with Bush, right? Oh yeah, no, that was that. You was, don't remember right. that either, Dan? Rather the fake uh, military records. 
the fake military records, which which caused a lot of people to lose their jobs at 60 Minutes 2, which had just um, begun and rather ended up losing his job. A lot of people lost it. A lot of really good people lost it. Well, that just shows if you if you do something like, I mean, when you look upon 60 Minutes, there's 60 Minutes and there's all the copycats, 48 Minutes, 48 Hours, all this bull crap, 30, 30, 50, 50, all this crap. There was 60 Minutes, Carlo, and then there's everything else. And I mean, I, I'm a religious guy every Sunday, and if I'm not, if I'm driving from the Hamptons, I put on 88, CBS 88, and I listen to the simulcast of 60 Minutes. I, I mean it. I'm not saying this because he's here. I love 60 Minutes, the way the production is and the facts behind it. That's why when they came up with this bad thing with Dan Rather, it was like, oh my God, it was like the Pope, you know, getting his robe taken off. Right. I mean, it's uh, an incredibly powerful brand, and it's uh, been around for, you know, 50 years. How many years? 50 years. 50 years. years. I've done over 100 stories. So when you do, when you have stewardship over over this type of uh, appointment television, how does that, and do you consider that when you're you're bringing a story, uh, you know, in front of the the newsroom, or do you think about how, how, you know, you have this long-term brand and this today's media landscape where things are are not often uh, no, no, true no, i don't people... think about any of that stuff what i think about is what i watch the piece okay. i have an i'm a little add so you know kind of like bogues and not as bad <laughs> so you know if if it doesn't get my attention i just don't do it so if i wouldn't watch the story i won't do it so that's my criteria well, i mean he's at a point where you do 100 shows his credibility right up to the top is something that well if ira doesn't want to do it then the story must be crap. But in reality, the only good side about it is, is like doing a movie against doing Broadway. On Broadway, you ain't got a retake. You're live. Right. Or on the news reporting, you're live. Whereas 60 Minutes, if you make a mistake and the story starts to get a little uh, tainted with unfactual information, you're able to, to walk around it or shit can it. Am I correct? Right. You're exactly right. And, yeah. and you know, I'm. I, you guys did a lot of prep here. And again, I'm sorry I was late. But um, one of the questions you have here that you put in front, I love how you give me the questions ahead of time. You sort of lay this out. Is that bad? Stuff. No, uh, no, it's good. It's good. Because then I could say, you know, I would never ask a question like this. I would never ask. Well, Carlos, uh, Carlos about to get fired right now. Because <laughs> he didn't check on your ass getting here on time. Yeah. Well, you know, that, the, you know, the, I had a big, uh, I had a big garbage truck in front of me. It must have been. Oh, a for, for, for friggin' four, 45 minutes. Yeah. It was a big what garbage if, truck. Oh, no, stop. It was He's starting to sound minutes. like the Blasio right now when he's supposed to be somewhere at the same time uh i had to go to brooklyn to walk on the treadmill and then i had to take the shower and i'm sorry i'm two years to you two years late come on you sounded like i miss you better be careful <laughs> no he's retired <laughs> but so, go ahead. so you have a question here which i which is you know what was one of the favorite stories i ever worked on so you know i did a story many years ago with joe banano the head okay. of organized crime the you banano did the one in family. arizona yeah you that remember was that gr- one I just told you, I'm a religious 60 minutes. He actually went and interviewed him in Arizona. Now, you got to remember who Joe Bonanno was. Right. He was one of the heads of the five crime families. And then he fucking flippitated. Yeah, he did. He yeah. did. He did kind of. Um, and then Sarah, so his underboss, flippitated. Everybody. I mean, everybody with the Bonanno family was like, 
Yeah, yeah. They they were something. So so Joe, we had just finished the interview. Joe and I having a cognac in the back in Tucson, and uh, so I said, Joe, it's just the two of us. Let's just have a conversation. And <laughs> yeah, so right. he said, Never trust a prostitute, a journalist, or a drug dealer. Okay, Carlo, that's what I learned when I became a detective. Don't trust him. Don't trust a prostitute, and don't trust a drug dealer. So now twenty nineteen. It's all right. It's a good. It's a good setup for what I'm about to say. <laughs> so in twenty nineteen, now I could tell the story, Joe. Dead and Bill Bonanno, his kid is dead. He was the capo. So, so I say to Joe, uh, Joe, what was it about Meyer Lansky? As a Jewish kid growing up in New York, Lansky and Sandy Koufax were the two guys I looked up to. <laughs> and so he says, Lansky, he had, he was nothing to us. He had the picture. I said, what are you talking about the picture? He had the pitch, picture of J. Edgar Hoover and Clyde Tolson, who was his number two, having sex. Really? And I said, That's what? crazy. And so he said, yeah, we had the picture. And that way they kept office. And if you remember, and Bo remembers this, yeah. for a long time the FBI had said Wouldn't there was bother. no Would not no bother the mob. Never, it's no such until thing as organized crime. Until they tried to whack uh, Kennedy, uh, Kennedy yeah. and an RFK came strong. Came strong, exactly right. And so be, he, because of the picture, he said, they, they actually, laid off He us. actually said there was a picture. He said he had the picture, but he's well, looking at me like. Who was J. Edgar? J. Edgar Hoover and Clyde Tulsa. No, but who was pounding who? I don't know. I didn't get the oh, details. Oh, come on. You get, I would ask Bonanno. No, no. Come on. I asked for the picture. And he said, no, I don't have it. Uh, Lansky had it. They put it in a safe deposit. I wanted to get the picture. Oh, we should have made copies. Should have at least. Yeah, but that was uh, the leverage Lansky had over those guys. I'd like to get one of Comey getting hit in the shit. So then I asked him. <laughs> then I asked him about Kennedy. I said, uh, how did you guys oh. kill Kennedy? And he said. <laughs> And he said, well, I got, you know, when the, when the assassination went down, I called up Miami. He called up Santos Traficante, and he said, uh, Santos, was it, what's going on? Wasn't he pounding the girlfriend? Wasn't Kennedy hitting the girlfriend? That was later. That was, yeah. no, 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 that was earlier, but that had nothing to do with the assassination. <laughs> so Santos said, listen, um, Miami and New Orleans will take the heat for it. New York's absolved. They don't have to worry about it. So, so uh, Bonanno said he sent an emissary down to talk to Traficante, and Traficante said, listen, we tried to not knock off Kennedy in Miami. That didn't work with a Cuban exile. So we took care of him in Texas. And it uh, turned out that what they did was they got, uh, according to what Bonanno told me, they got a Corsican hit team who came in and participated in it. Now, who knows if it's caca, if it's not caca, but, you know, these are the stories. These stories yeah, but the only problem is the Corsican connection. Yeah, but yeah, the only yeah. problem I have with these stories, they become their own life. That's a exactly lie right. becomes its own, it becomes, right. it has, you know, the river tributaries, right. it, it all of a sudden, and before you know it, it's not I heard, then they start giving you the directing. My whole thing with this is we know there was involvement with Traficante, we know there was involvement, the only thing to me was to the big question I always had, and I watched it live, the big question was, why did Ruby kill Oswald? That was my biggest question. Oh, come on, you know the answer to that. It's well, they had to quiet they had him to, up, they obviously. They had to quiet him up, and he had debts, and he took care of his debts, and they wouldn't go after him. They got ob- they got absolved. For so for your social media breaks, we heard it first. Out of the words of Bonanno, there was a picture of J.F. Gohoven having sex with, what was that Clyde guy? Tolson. Clyde yeah. Tolson. And that's time. what kept the heat off the mob. This is like history, Colin. It is. It get, my mind. Because this journalist, first of all, if he tells me he heard it directly. Yeah, and I never heard that. That's ever. gossipable. Maybe. No, no, I did hear about him being a fruitcake. Yeah, I heard uh, that. Not fruitcake. They, they, they don't call that no more. Now it's acceptable. Gay. Which, there's nothing wrong with being gay. And I'm a very supportive gay. More men become gay, more women for us. Right? Right. What do you think? 
Yeah. Yeah. But that's funny because I've heard this story many times about J. Edgar Hoover dressing in women's uh, garments. But what stuff. I found fascinating is I always thought Lansky was a genius in terms of, of investing the right. mob money. And in it was all money that they Cuba, never found. You know, Cuba, you know, everybody the remembers the Cuba with, uh, <laughs> the, but it was a photograph. It wasn't yeah. that he was like a brilliant yeah, uh, financier. It, it wasn't stand worth the reason for they, Goldman Sachs here or something. They let off the mob. They, they were, something was blocking them from going after the mob. And it, it stands to reason. I mean, you, you don't have to be a, a first-grade detective. Duh, somebody's keeping them from... And Hoover, nobody wanted to go around because he was supposedly... he had pictures of everybody else. Yeah, but also uh, my friend there, the great Martin Luther King, which I respect, and I'm not down-talking, but he had a little loose zipper problem. Like, he was banging Tate and everything. Supposedly, Hoover had all this information on, on Martin Luther King. You've heard of that, oh, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. See, people are afraid to talk about these things. I'm not afraid to talk. Either it is or it isn't. When I was- and I'm not knocking Martin Luther King because he had a, a loose zipper. Hey, I'm a man, too. You know, but I was I was at ABC for 15 years working on primetime live as senior producer. So I did a story on Martin Luther King's assassination and we interviewed this guy, Sam Donaldson, if you remember him. Yeah, sure. sure. So he he interviewed this guy who ran the um, uh, cafe across the street from the little rain. You remember Goodman over there? Or was ABC? Roger Goodman. Good friend of mine. Oh, really? We would do. We uh, Rogers we the best. We did a uh, a pilot for the thing called the Runner. Right after nine, it was prior to nine eleven. Whereas I was the chief detective, and our teams going out would give them clues, and then this other guy from the CIA had the Runner, and he would hide from us. And we, they spent ten million dollars on it. And then after nine eleven happened, we were put on the board for the fall season on CBS. Actually, on the board, the Runner for uh, no, for excuse me, ABC, ABC. We went to that little party they have announcing the fall season. Yeah. And then they, the heads got together and said they don't want people running around right after 9-11. They were afraid because of the situation. And I did understood. But $10 million they invested. In that. Wow. Roger Goodman was the producer. And Roger did director, the Academy director, Award. Director, 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 he did Academy yeah. Awards. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Roger used to refer himself in third person. Roger wants you to do this. Roger wants you to do that. <laughs> quite quite talented He's guy. incredibly smart. Yeah. yeah. So getting back great. to the story. Because yeah. I want to hear the rest of it. So you did this. So, so across the street from the Lorraine Motel was this little cafe run by this guy, Lloyd Jowers. And Jowers said that uh, after the shooting happened, he took the gun, not from uh, James Earl Ray, and broke it down. It was a, uh, it was a uh, Memphis police officer. And uh, he went on camera. He talked about this thing. And uh, long story short, the King family believed him. Right. Ended up suing. And it became a civil judgment against Jowers. I think he paid a dollar or two dollars. But they had it actually finding a fact against a different person in the assassination of MLK. And I could talk forever about that thing. That thing was there. You remember the picture when they're all standing over the body and yeah. they're all pointing. And the, the, and, and and the shakedown the, guy was there. Jesse, Jesse Jesse was down there below. But he's you know, he smeared himself yeah. with the blood. And then uh, they're all pointing at the uh, rooming house. And if you look at that picture again, there's somebody who has his hand on Martin Luther King's body. Okay, you know, he's like like this while they're all pointing. That guy was named Merrill McCullough, and I found him. You know where he was working? He was a CIA agent. When I CIA agent, he was working for the CIA. Wow! Turned out that he was the undercover officer for the uh, police department who was who infiltrated the King 
uh, group at the time. And then after that, he went to work for CIA. Wow. So, you know. He, yeah, wow, these stories are, you know, like anything, it just come out of left field. There's a story behind that story. Yeah. And everyone accepts Lee Harvey Oswald as being this old lone gunman and all that. Nothing made sense through that whole investigation. Well, you, listen, Bo, you used to believe, be a police officer. You, you're telling me the guy shoots the civil rights leader and then leaves the gun conveniently there out there and then he has access to travel all over the country and is given all this stuff ends up in canada his lawyer at the time i think it was percy foreman who pled him out within two minutes so it's like yeah we'll take the plea no problem life imprisonment and then percy's uh debt suddenly get cleared up at the time you know there's so many yeah. crazy stuff going on Well, this is the interesting part about journalists too about reporting i mean you're a detective a journalist is as good as every detective I've ever worked with. Of course, a journalist is a detective, Carlo. They got to find out the facts, the true facts, and it's very—it's really and without interesting the power stuff. of the law behind them. Now, to, there was one other part that you know we should talk about. It was this meeting with this Mossad. Everyone, you know, they have this uh, aura about them, about being the greatest of whatever they did, and they had the the Antibi and Orena and Antibi and all that kind of stuff. And this is certainly a group of people through the years of from the beginning that was recognized as the best. I'd love you to talk a little bit about the Mossad. Oh yeah, so I did a I did a story about this guy Ashraf Marwan, who Israel claims was their greatest spy. Turned out he actually might have been a double agent working for the Egyptians. <laughs> and what happened was in the 1973 war, Sadat wanted to attack uh, Israel, but he needed to cross the Suez Canal. So the the Israelis, you've seen Game of Thrones, I assume. The Israelis created a Game of Thrones scenario at the uh, at the Suez Canal. So if the if the Egyptians would attack, they they engulfed the whole thing in flames. The tanks would come. It'd be a slaughter. They expected 25,000 Egyptian troops to die, basically the entire army. So this guy, Marwan, kept feeding the Israelis all this information over a couple of years. And then when it came time to D-Day, he said the attack's going to happen at sundown. Attack happened at, at, uh, at noon. So it was like a three or four hour difference, but that was enough to allow the Egyptian army to cross the Suez. And instead of 25,000 dying, they lost, I think, 140 soldiers. They captured the Israeli thing. They pushed inside and they basically sued for peace at that point. It was the biggest defeat the Israelis ever had. And, um, and so, but the Israelis, with their pride, maintain that this guy was the legitimate deal. So what if he was off by four hours? No big deal. No big but, deal. But, yeah. but that was the difference between winning and losing the war. So I went to Israel um, and uh, we did the story and I got to know some of these Mossad characters and they obviously wanted to influence me. So they kept coming out of the woodwork one after another. So they said, you have to meet this guy Shmuel. Shmuel was uh, in charge of uh, European operations for the Mossad for 20 years. He was the guy who was the hottest guy, biggest guy in the Mossad. And I expected, you know, James Bond 007. I didn't know what the hell to expect. So they told me to go to a, a park bench in Ramat Gan, which is a suburb outside Tel Aviv. I'm sitting there. This is cool this, shit, huh? This, oh. this old Jewish guy with like shorts. Like, like a schleppy like, guy? Schleppy guy. <laughs> yeah, they would kick him off the golf course if he wore those, you know, the cargo pants yeah. shorts. With what, black socks probably? Yeah, no, miscolored socks. <laughs> kind of a t-shirt. And he, he looked kind of like a little short Meyer Lansky type. So he says, so I understand you've been looking for me? Just like that. <laughs> and I said, you're, well, <laughs> you're what a were hero. You and he said, what were you expecting? 
And then we, <laughs> and then we went off to a, to a, to a little picnic bench and we talked for three and a half hours and he was the single most interesting guy I've ever met in my life. Really? And yeah. he, it turned out that, um, you know, in the spy business, it's, you were a police officer, you know what kind of trading information is all about. So he used to sit down with, like, the Russian guy and the Egyptian guys, and they used to, like, help each other I'll out. Give you some, we you both give like me being some. in Paris, yeah. right? It's nice. Yeah, I'll give you something. Give me something. <laughs> yeah. That way you keep, you, keep uh, you know, you, you stay in Paris. And I, so there was a reason the guy was able to stay in Paris for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, that's interesting. You thought you were going to meet some big, badass guy with sunglasses, tough guy muscles with a, with a nine millimeters back, but exactly. you meet, you meet uh, Shlomo. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> cool. it's funny how, you know, expectation is subverted because they're, you think these guys are going to be enemies and they, they probably have more in common than they have different. So right. that, of course, you know, I, I know, I know what's his name. What was his name? Uh, 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 Barack, the little guy from the, used to be prime minister, uh, Barack, uh, what was his name? Ehud Barak. Ehud Barak is a friend of mine. Yeah. He's a little small guy. Small guy, general, yeah, yeah, tough he, guy, general. Yeah. I, cool guy. I've had dinner with him. I, you see, I used to be, I used to hang around with Abe Foxman too. Uh, the uh, a, uh, the civil liberty uh, with the was ACL. Uh, no, Abe Foxman. What do you had ADL. up? ADL, ADL, anti-Jewish. Sure, sure. Yeah. And Ariel, uh, Mike Wallace and I sat with Ariel Sharon, and uh, he had just written a book. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I was like anxious. I wanted to do this profile. I wanted to do the story. So Mike and I are there, and Sharon starts talking. Couldn't understand a word he said. It was oh. What do you say? What do you say? And Mike at one point gives me a look like you wasted my time by having me sit with this guy. <laughs> and then he leans over and whispers to me, says, you better hope he doesn't agree to do this piece. Otherwise, it's going to be your ass. <laughs> and thankfully, he decided not to do it. Well, you know, the, I think the, the big one that I really look upon you is because uh, in New York City and Long Island, and around the state and all over the country, our biggest real uh, thing affecting us is not car accidents and it's not murders on the street. It's the death with opioids, which we're facing how many a year approximately? 73,000. That's more than the war in Vietnam. Right. And this is every year. And your expose on it by finding out that we had a United States congressman who's effectively left the Congress, used his position in lobbying for these uh, these massive drug uh, companies. And I was so happy to see that doctor the other day, the, that Schmeckle there, 80-year-old doctor they locked up for, for, for putting scripts out. What was that one, that doctor, the old Jewish guy? He was 80 years old. They yeah. locked him up. They gave him 20 years. He's 80. Yeah. That means he's going away to jail. And that should be a that should be an example to everyone. You're killing not just kids on the street. Middle-aged people have back problems. They become addicted to it. It's a horrific thing. Then they go from the opioids to the heroin. What your expose brought out was the, the, the conflict utilizing lobbying for these scumbag drug companies to continue to make money. So, so we, set, we, set, we, set, we set out to find out who's responsible for the opiate crisis. It couldn't just be a bunch of 80-year-old doctors, but it had to be corporations. So the first story we did was about uh, how the DEA was hamstrung at the height of the opiate crisis and couldn't do the law enforcement that they wanted to do because Congress tied them up in knots. And the, and the Justice Department tied him up in knots. And the, and the one Bo refers to is this Congressman Marino who created a legislation. Pennsylvania, right? Pens yeah, yeah. And, and, and by the way, so he was going to be, after he pushed through legislation that basically prevented the enforcement efforts against all 
of the opiate co- uh, companies, Trump was going to appoint him to be drug czar. Now, Trump, <laughs> thank God, President Trump, watches our broadcast. And oh, the next yes. day, the next day, he says, yeah, we're going to have to sort of see about Marino. And Good. I got a text from Steve Bannon, who I had a relationship with back then. And, and uh, he said the guy once when he says you have to see about the guy, he says the guy's toast. Give him 24 hours. And 24 hours later, he decides Marino pulls himself out of being considered. Unbelievable. For, uh, it was drug a great czar. expose. And, and, you know, it's just it's just funny. Like you said, you the president watches 60 minutes. Yeah. He regards it as the way I regard it, like the whole. Holy grail of news. 60 minutes is 60 minutes. I was just with the president uh, two weeks ago down in on the golf course down in uh, Palm Beach. One of the reasons why I went down there, I ran into, I, I'm doing business with this company called Cohen Resnick, where it's a forensic accounting company. But now with the advent of, they're talking about, it may really hit, and we needed $2 trillion in new infrastructure across the country, oh, yeah. which to me is, we need it. It's not, it's not Democrats, not Republicans, bipartisan. But the problem with with these things, if you're going to build a tunnel for a billion, they come in there, they bid for it, but yet they know that they cannot complete it, then that billion becomes a billion, six, seven, and once it's like getting someone pregnant, you can't get it out. No, so exactly my point right. is, Cohen Resnick, and that's what I talked to the President's Chief of Staff, and I'm going to continue talking about it, because this to me, I want to get involved with this for the fact that these are forensic counting. So if you're going to order 50,000 yards of concrete, they know they look at forensically how much it's going to cost. So on a on a project, say a half a billion dollar project, you you could spend fifty million dollars on a, a on a consulting construction company that will make sure that that project comes in. So if we're going to put two trillion out, we don't want that two trillion to turn into three trillion. We want, and I think that's it's, very. Well, you're so. I, I hate to give you this compliment, but you're so smart about this. When I was at ABC, that's I, why I went to watch. Uh, that's why I went to talk to the president. No, I said smart. I want to be involved. So let me tell you something. When I was at ABC, you know, I used to do all the hidden camera investigations, yeah. put hidden cameras in VA hospitals and yeah. boarding care homes and all this stuff. I always wanted to do the hidden camera at a road site because you ever see these guys. They're on coffee breaks seven, eight hours oh, a day. I was a construction worker. No, no, no. So you know, they've been, you know, up, I live in Westchester. They've been building the same road now for five, six, seven years. It's unbelievable. Years. And, and, you know, my the grandkids are not even going to see this road completed. And it's it's we're not talking about a long stretch of highway. And, and give Donald Trump his due. When he went and fixed Wallman Rink, <laughs> I mean, they were cocking around on that rink forever. And then he comes there and he goes there every single that's, day. That's, he went every day. Day, and supervise I, the site. I don't want to care if you like. I don't want to get. I don't want to get political. No, no, but no He no, knows he, how to build. He knows and how he to knows build. how to cut. What he did with Boeing about the Air Force One. Yeah. They were charged actually. He goes, no, 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 no. I mean, no one wants to listen to him. They hate him. Hate him. And we can't even have a discussion in New York City, a, a civilized discussion with people. Oh, f Trump, f Trump. No, how about? Let's get together and get yeah. stuff done. This infrastructure thing is a very important thing to me. Also, I spoke to his chief of staff. The other one is we've had over 60, how many, uh, 6,500 people murdered in Chicago in the last 10 years through the great Obama presidency, his hometown. No one effectively did anything. I said, Mr. President, I'll come out of the woodwork as a special assistant. I want to be able to go with you to Chicago, utilize the federal RICO law with three more involved in an enterprise, criminal enterprise, guns, robberies, drug dealing, or, or stolen property, and we start putting undercovers, and we start locking these gangs up. They have a law in Chicago, if you have a, a loaded gun, you get one 
one year. No, it'll become a federal law. You'll get, you'll be open if you're a predicate for 15 years. We've got to care about the people in our inner cities. And I think if this president steps up and does it in Chicago and says, I care about little Letitia shot on the stoop, seven years old shot in the head with a bullet. I care about that the same as I care about anywhere in this country. He's got to relate to the African-American population because everyone who's African-American don't just pull Democrat. They are working out with businesses, jobs. They're becoming successful. They're part of, I saw Ken Langone today, part of capitalism and free enterprise. Work hard equals success. And that's something that the communities... In, in, in Chicago, who have been besieged with these murders, no one's done anything. And I called upon the president. This is a great opportunity. What did he say to you? Well, I talked to his chief of staff. And I'm, I'm, I'm keep running. I had Bill Shine was involved with right, me. Right, right. So I, I really, these are issues. Look, I'm an American. I don't want to make money on it. What I want to do is I want to be and help bring this country but, but together. Getting back to the infrastructure yeah. issue. Here you have in New York, you have Robert Caro, who, you know, and, and you know, who, who did who did this extraordinary book about Moses. Yeah. Right? Right. And Moses built Jones Beach, yeah, built Robert the bridges, Moses. Robert Moses. Before you were born, Carlo. Yeah, 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 but it's a classic book. book. Yeah. Yeah, the book is a classic book. Everybody should be required to look at that book. How this man, when the technology wasn't like it is in 2019, how he was able to accomplish all this, build well, everything. And he was and never even we, elected. And that was just in New York. Yeah, because he was a that man. That was just in New York. He was a man who understood and got things done. Right. You know, we could take the same initiative. And in one of the reasons why they hate Donald Trump is it ain't business like usual. It ain't the lobbyists, the thousand plus lobbyists that are lobbying for these construction companies or who are lobbying for certain things, the contracts with the Defense Department. There's a lot of waste in this government and a lot of waste, and they don't like Trump because he wants to try to minimize you, the t- waste. Let me tell you, again, I, I don't want to get political, but uh, give the man his due. What I, I, belo- I live up in Westchester, and he, he bought the club up there, uh, Trump National in Westchester. So the first hole was a very little short par, par four, 275 yards. Yeah. And they didn't know how to sort of make it bigger and all this stuff. So what Trump did, one day he came out there and he says, let's buy the house across the way. And they're all looking at him like he's crazy. He said, <laughs> well, you want to buy the house all the way there? Yeah, let's buy that house. Is There's a carrot. We'll, we'll have the... Uh, your, your first shot, you pl- I'm probably played up there. It's oh, the 10th yeah, hole. The With, tenth hole. So, and then you have to hit over this ravine. Yeah, yeah, many so he bought the house. He kicked the guy out of his house. He gave him a deal he couldn't refuse. And he created one, a classic par four out of a garbage hole. And that, well, that was, was just, a, kind of similar to Bel Air. Went over the top on the on the tenth right? Yeah, exactly. In LA, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they just boy, he bought. If you don't make it, son. You're not a golfer. You don't understand. If yeah. you don't have a two hundred carry, carry, it goes into the. Yeah, yeah. And so he had the vision to do that. And again, I'm not getting into his his politics and the presidency, but he is an extraordinary builder. And for him. The in, forget about the the wall and the yeah. He should. I think you're exactly right. He should take on uh, infrastructure. Infrastructure and is it, a great it can be one of our greatest. Well, we have. Uh, I'd like you to do do me again, again, and we can Anytime. we can talk about some we, other we stuff. Have, yeah, we got to two questions. No, here. we yeah, but you don't want to know written. something. Well, I do have uh, the guy who feeds me. Yeah, one of my people that I do business for, that I make money on. I can't make him wait for lunch. No, no, but I really, not. really want to thank you, Ira, and uh, I would love to have you back. And you know what? We could talk I'll about. Back. And, you know, we were talking about some issues that I brought to you with the advent of my bowler wrap and about non-lethal equipment for police departments. We can talk about a lot of things. And you know what's a great thing? 
our podcast. And it's getting pretty big out there. And we put out the social media. People listen because it's not doing a 60 minutes interview. It's taking off the gloves and showing the dirt under his nails, the calling under your nails, and showing the real grit of a story, which right. we kind of touched upon. But I'd love you to come the back and do this again. The, before I got into opiates, I was. You want to come out to Vegas with me with Scaramucci? I'm going out Monday and we can play golf out there with the head front conference. We'll, we'll go off air. We'll talk. Yeah. But, no, no, but there was. Uh, there was. Uh, <laughs> we play golf. It's more important. But I did, the broke, I did the broken. Congress broken Senate. I did four, five, six stories about this, about insider trading, how they were, you know, self-dealing to themselves. Well, you mean my friend Jordan Belfort, that little creep? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Well, we want to okay, thank thanks. you, Ira, right. and we'll, we'll love to have you back again. All right. And uh, go ahead, Carl. All right. Take so off. before we end, we do every week punk of the week, something uh, that we do here, something that's bothering you, an issue, a person, something that uh, you want to call out. Anything um, could be an issue, could be a person, could be anything. The Giants general manager, I'm sorry, I'm a New Yorker, New York Giants general manager, he takes this quarterback uh, at, at the sixth spot when he had the next, you know, Michael Strahan available to him. And next year, they have three or four quarterbacks that are much better than anything they're going to have this year. And he could have waited, he could have gotten their quarterback next year. Instead, he picks up this guy and, you know, it was a completed wasted pick. And this is just from a Giants perspective. So for me, you know, he's he's the guy who you you say is what punk of the week. Punk of the week. Yeah, he's the punk of the What's week. What's yours, Carlo? I would have to agree. I think uh, Daniel oh, Jones is a bad you pick. Think bad pick. Punk. Bad pick. All right, uh, now me to, New York me, sports in general. We're yeah, kind of me. It's sad. Me, my punk of the week, he keeps popping up. I picked the paper up today. It's still pay for play with all these lobbyists in New York City. You want to get something built? Meet up with one of the lobbyists. My friend Sid Davidoff, Shakedown Man, he's around every mayor because this is New York City, the corrupt capital of the world. And Big Bird is my punk of the week, and I'm glad he took a picture with the real Big Bird because I named him Big Bird. That's my punk of the week, like always. All right. So there you have it. Uh, thank you very much to Ira Rosen for being here today. Really blew our minds with some of these facts. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, always follow us on Twitter. We're at One Tough Podcast. Bo's at Bo Deedle on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you next time. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.